Last week, we began a series called Speak Life. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And I know that we all know from experience that our words are so incredibly powerful. Our words can encourage people. Our words can bless people. Our words can build people up. Our words can really help change the course of someone's life even and help them thrive in new ways. And, and in doing so, our words can bring great glory to God. Yeah, on the other hand, our words can be so destructive. Our words can tear people down. Our words can discourage people. Our words can leave lasting emotional scars even. And in the process of that, tarnish people's view of who God is. Our words are powerful. Now, since last Sunday, I've heard many positive comments about this series just because we all recognize how relevant it is to learn about how to speak life rather than speaking death. And even in my own house during this last week, we've talked a lot about speaking life, although at times with less than stellar results. <laughs> we keep trying. But, but I think that points to the reality that we all know that it is hard to consistently speak life. It's difficult to tame our tongue because no matter how hard we try, we still frequently have words or, or, or thoughts or attitudes that are expressed out of our mouths that draw other people down rather than building them up, no matter how hard we try. But Jesus gives us hope. And today we're going to hear from Jesus himself from Scripture about how we can get really to the heart of the matter in terms of speaking life rather than speaking death. So with that in mind, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. This Speak Life series is one that I think is both convicting and inspiring. On the convicting side, it's really like holding up a mirror in front of us and revealing to us the sin that resides deep inside of us. And that, that is convicting. And we need that. But on the other hand, this idea of speaking life can be very inspiring because we recognize as we grow in consistently speaking life to those around us, we have the opportunity to be agents of encouragement and agents of transformation in a world that at times is polarized, where many people are discouraged or getting disillusioned, where there is at times anger or, or depression or just confusion and, and messiness. If we can speak life, we can be agents of encouragement and transformation in the world around us, and in doing so, bring great glory to Christ. Let me pray for us, and we'll dig into Jesus' words out of Luke 6. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to this world to give us life and give it to us abundantly. And you didn't just come to give us uh, some instructions to follow you. You didn't just come to be a teacher. You did teach us, but you gave us much more than that. You came to give us new life. And then you sent the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. And I pray that today as we study Scripture, we know that Scripture is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And so we pray that your word, through the power of the Spirit, will work in our lives to convict us where we need to be convicted, but also to inspire us and then to empower us to live lives that, that speak life to those around us as you are speaking life in our hearts. We pray these things in your name and for your glory. Amen. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles as I read out of Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. 
People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So in this passage, Jesus is pointing us to the source of our words. And he is using the analogy of trees and then the fruit that comes from those trees. Now, it was common knowledge then, as it is now, that if you want to get figs, you don't go to a thorn bush. Right? And it's also common knowledge that briars do not produce grapes. No, figs come from fig trees. Grapes come from grapevines, because that is how those things work. There, there has to be a congruence between the type of plant and the fruit that the plant produces. And Jesus then applies that to our lives, saying that, that our lives and what we are externalizing to the world around us is an overflow of what is going on inside of us. There is congruence between what's inside and what comes out externally. And Jesus specifically applies this to our words in verse 45 when he says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Another translation that I really like says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what Jesus is pointing here uh, to us is that our words come from what is in our heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words come from what is in our heart. Now, in the Bible, it, basically people are divided into two different parts. The inside and the outside. The inner person and the outer person. The outer person is what people can see when they look at us. It's our appearance. It's the words that we speak. It's, it's the actions that we put into practice. That's the outer person. But biblically, this inner person is what is really controlling what is coming out. The inner person goes by many different words in Scripture, but the most common term to describe the inner person is the term heart. Now, obviously, we need to recognize it's not talking about this muscle beating in our chest, even though that heart is important. But this idea of heart is like the control center of our lives. It's kind of like the steering wheel that is shaping where we are going. And I think uh, there was this movie that came out just a few years ago called Inside Out that I think really captures well what it is like to have that connection between what's going on internally and what's coming out externally. It's really a fascinating movie that, that I think is relevant for all ages. Yes, it's animated. Yes, in some ways it was made for kids. But I think it's brilliant in illustrating how what goes on the inside is reflected in what is going on externally. The movie features this control room inside of this little girl. And there are these five characters in that control room that, that really depict the emotions going on inside this girl. The emotions are joy and sadness, anger, fear, and disgust, represented by those five characters you see up there on the screen. And those characters, as they are responding to the stimuli that are going on outside the girl, those characters internally determine what the girl does externally. So what's inside impacts what's going on outside. Let me show you a clip from that movie that, that depicts how, how what's going on inside affects outside. And just watch how what those characters are doing inside shapes the girl's actions that are taking place externally. Take a look at this. Very nice. Okay, looks like you got this. Very good. Oh, that's right, parent. Oh, look out! That's fear. He's really good at keeping Riley safe. 
Easy, easy, huh? Pop it! Oh, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Good Thank job. you very much. And we're back. Here we go. All right, open. Hmm, this looks new. Think it's safe? What is it? Uh, okay, caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned. Physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! Yeah! Well, I just saved our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not gonna get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fake. So that's how you wanna play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this! Comes an airplane. Oh, airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. And you've met Sadness. She. Well, she. I'm not actually sure what she does. And I've checked, there's no place for her to go, so she's good, we're good, it's all great. So that, that clip is narrated from the perspective of Joy, who didn't really introduce herself, but, but she's trying to cause this little girl, Riley, to live with Joy and everything she does. And I think that's a good picture of what's going on inside of us. Not that we have these cute little characters dictating what's going on externally, but that what is going on inside of us shapes our response to what's going on outside of us. And understanding this helps us understand why different people react to the identical circumstances in different ways. Because you can have five different people, for instance, who all experience the exact same thing, but have radically divergent responses to that, whether it's in the words they speak or the attitudes they have or the actions they put into practice. The reason for the differences in, in the responses to the same external stimuli is because of differences of what's in the heart. So we have to understand that what's on the inside shapes what comes out. Therefore, we cannot blame our words on circumstances. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We cannot blame our words on our circumstances. Yes, circumstances can be the occasion that draws out what's in the heart. Circumstances can influence us in various ways, but we can't necessarily draw a one-to-one -one correlation between, well, it's a bad circumstance, so it's fine to have a bad reaction. We can't blame our words on our circumstances. I mean, when we lose our cool or when we get really angry at something and just vent that frustration in really harmful ways to others, we tend to blame the people around us. You know, my kids are just driving me crazy. And we use that to rationalize blowing up in anger. Or, man, she, she just pushes all my buttons. I can't stand it anymore. We blame other people. Or we tend to rationalize by blaming our circumstances. Well, yeah, I know I lost my cool. But, but I, was, I was under a lot of stress. I was busy. I didn't have time to sit down and talk about it calmly. So that's why I lost my cool. You're rationalizing it based on circumstances. 
Or also, it could be, well, you have to understand, I mean, with four kids in the house all talking loudly, a gentle response would not have worked. And you use that to justify yelling harshly or loudly. Not saying that we all do this all the time, but this is, these are ways that we try to blame our response, blame our, our words, at times words of death, on circumstances or people. But Jesus says, no, it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Because just because we're around people who may rub us the wrong way or make us frustrated, or just because we have circumstances that aren't going the way that we want them to, that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to respond in really negative ways. Because again, it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Now, we've all probably had times where words come out and they're just kind of ugly words. And they may even surprise us of, whoa, whoa, I just said something that was kind of rude or, or kind of hurtful. And so, so we apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But when we understand this, out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks, that's not entirely accurate that we didn't mean to say that. Maybe a better way to say it, if we want to be fully honest, is, oh, please forgive me for saying what I meant. Because if it wasn't in your heart, it wouldn't have come out. What happened was that we typically have a filter that, that, that stops ugly things before they come out of our mouth. But sometimes when we're really worked up, when our emotions are, are running like crazy, or when we're just so frustrated or, or, or so angry or, or just surprised by something, sometimes that filter doesn't stop everything before it comes out of our mouths. And so then what's really in our hearts comes out. So, so please forgive me for saying what I meant. Yeah, we didn't mean for it to come out that way. But that's because we thought that our filter would stop it. You see, we can't blame our words on our circumstances. Yes, we do face challenging circumstances at times. We do have people around us who, who can be very difficult, who can, who can really get us ramped up at times in a negative way. But the responsibility is still ours for, for submitting ourselves to God and, and, and saying, God, I need your help in this circumstance and, and letting um, our heart be transformed from the inside out. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. There's a man named Ed, Edwin Stewart who knows a lot about words. He, he, he's dead now. He died a number of decades ago. But he was an author. He was um, an editor. He was a publisher. So he, he lived in the world of words. And I love the way that he put this. He said, remember, every time you open your mouth, your mind walks out and prays up and down the words. And it's just kind of this vivid picture. Every time you open your mouth, your mind comes out. Your heart comes out. What's really inside is coming out. And it prays up and down the words for the world to see. Because as Jesus says, it's how the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so we need to understand that when we have word problems, those are indicative of heart problems. Word problems are heart problems. Again, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And because of sin, we all have heart problems. Now, some people do have literal heart problems in terms of this muscle, and, and those need to get addressed. But we all have a spiritual heart problem, a heart problem, spiritually speaking, because of sin that has corrupted us spiritually and emotionally and relationally and mentally. And what that sin problem does, among other things, is it causes our focus to turn inward. 
So that rather than loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, instead, we focus on ourselves, on my opinion, and in my comfort, and my dreams, and my satisfaction, and my success, and my popularity. And this, this soundtrack of me, myself, and I is playing underneath everything else that we are doing when we are controlled by our sinful nature. And so what happens is that gets externalized through our words, especially when that filter of what's socially acceptable isn't working fully. Word problems are heart problems. And we see this throughout Scripture. Let me just point us to one example of this over in James chapter 4, verse 1. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? He goes on from there. But what's he pointing to in terms of, of where fights and quarrels come from? He's pointing to the heart. And how people's hearts' desires that, that are conflicted within them and then they get in conflict with other people's hearts' desires, that's where fights and quarrels come from. Notice that he doesn't say, what, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Doesn't it come from the fact that you don't have enough training in the techniques of conflict resolution? That, that you know what, you just need to learn a little bit better these, these communication styles and these techniques and how to resolve conflict. If you just learn that, let me teach you those things, then you won't have the fights and quarrels. No, that's not what he says. And, you know, learning new techniques can be helpful. We will get to conflict resolution stuff in a few weeks. But the heart of the matter is what's going on in the heart. We have to get down to what's going on in our heart. And so we we can't blame our word issues solely on circumstances or on people around us or on the lack of training techniques. We need to go back to what is going on in our heart. And our heart and its natural state has been damaged by sin. Now let me refer us back here to Jesus' words in Luke chapter 6. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Now let me just give you uh, an example, kind of a story that's, that's purely fictional, but I think it illustrates well how we need to get to the heart of the matter. Imagine that Shelley and I have an apple tree in our backyard. Now, we do like apples. An apple tree would be nice. We don't have an apple tree, but imagine hypothetically that we do. So this whole story is going to be hypothetical. We have this apple tree in the backyard, and it grows apples, but the apples are not edible. They're dry. They're hard. They're brown. They're they're just kind of nasty. We don't eat those apples. And one day, Shelly, who likes apples, and she does in real life, but she likes apples, and she says, Brandon, Why do we have this apple tree in the backyard if we can't eat its apples? And that's a good question. And I love Shelly. I know, yeah, it would be kind of nice to have very fresh apples uh, off the apple tree. So I I apply some thought to it. And I think, you know, I have an idea. And I tell her, Shelly, I have an idea that I think will help us have some nice apples on the apple tree. So one Saturday morning, she looks out the kitchen window, and she sees me carrying some items toward the apple tree. I'm carrying a ladder. I'm carrying some pruners. I'm carrying a nail gun. And I'm carrying a few buckets of red delicious apples. She watches me. I go out to that tree. She watches me climb up the ladder and carefully cut off 
all those nasty brown apples. And then as she watches, I take the nail gun, I take those red delicious apples, beautiful, bright red, nice big, one by one, and carefully nail them symmetrically all around that tree. Now, if you were watching from a couple, a couple hundred yards away and you didn't see fully how that was taking place, but you noticed, wow, look at those nice red apples, you would think, wow, Brandon's the horticulturalist of the year. But what would you be thinking if you're Shelly watching through the kitchen window? I would probably be thinking, Brandon's crazy. He's lost it. Why is he wasting such good apples? But wait a minute. I don't like red delicious apples. Doesn't he know that? Shelly really doesn't like red delicious apples. She likes apples, not that type. But back to the story. You know, what would happen to those apples after a little while? They're nailed up there. You leave them up there very long, they're going to start to rot. Give it a week, two weeks. They're going to start to rot because they are not connected to the life-giving resources of that tree. They're simply nailed up there. They're attached on externally, but not connected to what's going on internally. Now, an even bigger question. They look nice for a little while. What's going to happen next year when that tree produces another crop of apples? Are they going to be nice, bright red, tasty? No. Nailing apples to an apple tree is going to do nothing to change what's going on internally. And if that apple tree has been year after year producing these nasty, brown, inedible apples, that means that something is systemically wrong inside of that tree, even down to the roots. And nailing apples to the outside of that tree is going to do nothing to change what's going on on the inside. And so even though for a while it looks decent from the outside, over time, it's going to revert back to doing what it's always done. Because you have to address the core, the root issue, the heart of the issue, if you want to make lasting external change. Now, let me apply this to our words. And you can probably see where this is going. But when I look at how we typically try to deal with working on words of life and speaking uh, more lovingly and communicating better, so oftentimes... We're not doing a whole lot more than just nailing apples to a sick tree. Because if we are only focusing on techniques and strategies and how-tos and discipline and hard work, that's basically all it is. It can be helpful, but it's insufficient to actually cause deeper life change. Ultimately, if we want to speak life on a continual, consistent faithful basis, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the people that we are around, we need to get down to addressing the heart. And until we're ready to address what's going on in our heart and deal with what's going on in our heart, we're going to be limited in how fully we can speak life in any and every circumstance. So let me just show you two lists of different words. We're going to do some diagnostics, and then we're going to try to make deeper connections between our words and our heart. These two lists are words of life, words of death, and they consist of words that come out of Scripture. And, and so as you look at these lists, I want you to think, okay, which one of these lists or which words from these lists describe my life? We have words of death, words that can be characterized by things that are angry or complaining or harsh, resentful, negative, judgmental, words characterized by gossip, or words that are critical. Those are words of death. Now on the other side, you have words of life. So the opposite of angry words would be 
gracious words. The opposite of complaining words would be uplifting words. The opposite of harsh would be tender words. You have resentful words on the side of the words of death. You have kind words over on the side of the words of life. Opposite of negative words would be positive words. Judgmental words, the opposite of that is compassionate words. Rather than speaking with gossip, words of life would be words of blessing, blessing the people around us. Rather than critical words, words of encouragement. Now, if you're honest with yourself, which one of these columns or which words from these lists best characterizes your patterns of speech? It's a convicting question. Because I think no matter how hard we try, we can still find that there are times where we're in that red column on the words of death. If you really want to be brave, ask a friend or ask a family member, which one do you think best describes me? Do you, do you see some of these in me that I may not want in me? I mean, that would be a little bit more brave. But I think we all want to be on that column on the right. We all want to speak those words of life. We don't want to have our funeral one day and people say, well, so-and-so is just angry and, and complaining and harsh and, and resentful. No. I mean, they probably wouldn't say that in a funeral anyway because we tend to, to be kind in funerals and, and, and try to make that person look good. But, but we don't want to be characterized in that way. I mean, I believe everyone wants to be characterized in ways that are more gracious and uplifting and, and kind and positive. So the question is, how do we live in a way that speaks those words of life consistently? And the answer is, we need to get down to what's going on in our heart. We need to let the gospel, we need to let Jesus transform us from the inside out. Now let me make that heart connection between our words and our heart a little bit uh, more, more specifically. Luke 6.45 says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the kind of heart that produces the fruit that we see up there can be characterized like this. For instance, a heart that is filled with bitterness speaks angry words. Now, there may be other reasons that people might speak angry words. It might be because of guilt in the heart or because of fear. But if you find yourself speaking angry words, there's probably some bitterness lodged somewhere in your heart. Now, on the other hand, a heart that's filled with forgiveness speaks gracious words. And the connection between uh, being forgiven and experiencing God's grace, connecting with our words that are coming out of our mouths, is found throughout Scripture. I think of, uh, for instance, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, that says, Forgive others just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I, I, I imagine that all of us are people who, who value God's forgiveness and God's grace that he gives to us. But if we've really internalized the fullness of God's grace and God's forgiveness and how radical and how amazing that is, it'll be overflowing from our hearts because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So then out of the forgiveness and the grace that fills our heart, we will be empowered to speak gracious words to those around us. I think as well of how a heart filled with entitlement speaks complaining words. Entitlement is that idea of, I deserve this. It's the idea, perhaps a comparison. We look down the street and think, they have that. I, I want that too. I deserve that. And it's, it's rooted in discontentment. And what happens then is that if we have this entitlement mentality where we are constantly focusing on what we don't have and what we think we deserve, what are we going to do? We're going to complain. 
My kids right now are in this phase that they don't like one bit. It's the, compla- it's the phase of it's not fair. We hear this many times every day. Ew. We need a heart transformation in our house. Um, but, I mean, as hard as we try to explain, okay, life at times isn't fair, but you still have these blessings and stuff. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. When we have a heart of entitlement that says, it's not fair, I deserve this, we are going to be complaining. On the other hand, a heart that's filled with gratitude will speak uplifting words. Gratitude says, you know what? I know I don't have everything. I know there are things in my life that are not according to my ideals. I know there are other people who have blessings that I wish I had, but, but I don't have them. Yet still, God has blessed me in all these different ways. I'm going to be grateful. And that will empower us from the inside out to speak uplifting words. A heart filled with guilt speaks harsh words. And it may be guilt that's welled up over time because of things that we have regrets over, things we wish we would have done differently in the past, things that people have done to us that makes us feel shame. And and if we have guilt and shame in our lives and we just try to bury it and we don't get healing from it, we don't come to Jesus and let him transform us and give us a a sense of redemption and new hope, what's going to happen is our heart will get hard and it will lead to harsh words. On the other hand, a heart filled with peace speaks tender words. And that peace ultimately, especially to wipe over any guilt or shame, that ultimately comes from God. Just remember Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't hold our sins against us when we come to faith in Christ. And he gives us peace with him rather than enmity and strife. He brings peace. It's a gospel of peace, a gospel of reconciliation And he can also give us peace in the sense of just trust in him. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. And that empowers us to speak tender words. A heart filled with rejection speaks resentful words. And I know that that we've all faced rejection in various ways, some in very deep ways. And if we internalize that rejection, we don't deal with it, then it's going to be very difficult to avoid speaking resentful words out of that sense of rejection that's in our hearts. But, on the other hand, a heart filled with acceptance speaks kind words. No matter what we have faced, humanly speaking, in our background, we have the opportunity to be accepted into God's family, to experience his love and his affirmation. And that is transformative. That when we understand that God accepts us and welcomes us into his presence any and every time that we want to come, that empowers us out of the heart to speak kind words. A heart filled with grumbling speaks negative words, but a heart filled with thanksgiving speaks positive words. A heart filled with condemnation speaks judgmental words, but a heart filled uh, with love speaks compassionate words. A heart filled with jealousy speaks words of gossip. On the other hand, a heart filled with contentment speaks words of blessing. A heart filled with self-righteousness speaks critical words, but a heart that's filled with hope speaks encouraging words. Now, we're talking about speaking life. And hopefully it's very clear today that we need, if we want to speak life, we need heart transformation, not merely behavior modification. And so if, if you look in your life, if I look in my life, and I, I can recognize it's convicting for me too because I recognize no matter how much we've talked in our home about speaking life this last week, no matter how much I, I study this topic and read books about it and get up here and talk about it, 
I need continual heart transformation as well. If we find that we are frequently judgmental or critical or or harsh in our words or rude or complain a lot, we need more than just new techniques or more discipline. I mean, you can go to the grocery store today and find magazines that give you techniques for better communication skills. Or you can go on Amazon and find lots of self-help books about techniques for growing and, and communicating in loving and caring ways. Those are helpful. And the Bible does give us techniques. The Bible tells us about behavior modification basically in terms of put this into practice, do this, don't do that. But if the behavior modification is not rooted in heart transformation, it's going to become frustration. Because you're not going to be able to carry it on long term. It's just like trying to to nail pretty apples onto a sick tree. So we need the heart transformation. And Jesus offers us heart transformation. When we come to Jesus, he gives us a new heart. The Bible says that he takes out our heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh to help us to love God and to love others. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Jesus wants to give us a new heart. And then when we come to faith in Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit, God himself, to live inside of us, to again, to transform us from the inside out. And as we yield control of our lives to the Holy Spirit, as we let the Holy Spirit rule in our heart as we let the Holy Spirit be in the driver's seat turning the steering wheel of our lives. Then is when the transformation really comes. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That means that when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, when we are submitting to the Holy Spirit's rule, He will be bearing this type of fruit inside of us. Love, joy, peace, patience, and on and on. And just think, what type of words will be coming out of our mouth that is characterized, that is driven by a heart that's characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, and on and on? They're going to be words of life. So what we need is not just trying to, to modify our techniques and trying to work a little bit harder. What we need is a new heart. Jesus supplies us with a new heart. We need more than just working hard and discipline, even though that is valuable. What we need is the Holy Spirit's power to empower us to speak words of life rather than words of death. And when we fail, when we struggle, there is grace that can still be transforming us. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. We need to guard our heart. And part of that means that that we need to be careful of what influences are coming into our heart. Because our heart can be poisoned by external influences, whether it's the people who are around us, or whether it's what we're watching on TV or movies, or what what we're observing on the internet or social media, what we're listening to in our music. Those things can come into our heart and poison a heart that God is trying to claim for himself, that God is trying to bring back to life. So we need to be careful to guard our hearts, but then at the same time, to submit our heart to God, to let him transform us from the inside out. Now, we can't do this change entirely of ourselves. We we, we don't have a whole lot to offer in this process in and of ourselves. But we have Jesus who comes and says, if you will submit to me, I will transform you from the inside out. And, And so the call for us is to come to that point where we say, you know what, God, I can't do it myself. 
that I come to you. I lay myself before you. I want you to transform me. I want to be that agent of transformation and encouragement. I want to speak life to those around us. Lord, will you please do a work in my heart, empower me by your spirit so that you can speak through me. Now, this week, I was listening to that uh, song, Speak Life, by Toby Mac, quite a few times. Most days, I ended up listening to it. My kids were listening to it a lot as well. And I found that, you know what, it's great to be just kind of saturated in that idea. Let that idea kind of flow through your mind about speaking life, but also to be thinking about how much God speaks life to us. That's where it's, it's helpful to get in the Scripture, to let His words dwell in our hearts. And I, and I thought about Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, where it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Meditation of my heart. That's talking about what our heart is focused on. Jesus wants to transform our heart. He wants our heart to be focused on him. Because as, as we do so, as we submit to him, he will transform us. And then that will allow our heart to be pleasing to him. And in the process, the words of our mouth to be pleasing to him as well. We have such a privilege to know Christ. And we have such a, re- a responsibility and a privilege of making him known to those around us. And my prayer for us is that we will allow him to do the work in us that needs to be done. It's a process that we all should be entering into. But I mean, myself included. I'm not exempt from any of these things because I have a heart that, that has that sinful nature wanting to war against us as well. But Jesus wants to transform us so that we can grow in speaking life to those around us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are willing to transform us. We thank you that you do not abandon us when we struggle. You do not abandon us when when Adam and Eve turned against you, and and you don't abandon us today when we struggle. And even when we speak words of death, Lord, we thank you that there is always grace and forgiveness. And I pray that you will do a work, a transforming work inside of us, giving us the desire to surrender fully to you, And that that you will, as we do, surrender little bits and pieces of us to you, that you will take more and more so that from the inside out that we will become men and women who speak life. Not because we are trying hard to do so. Not because we've learned the right techniques to do so. Not because, oh, oh, we need to do this today to earn God's favor. No, that's not why. But that we will be speaking life out of the overflow of our hearts. And we thank you that we are not left alone to do this, but that we have Christ to redeem us and to empower us and to transform us. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.